Hello and welcome to Across the Globe, making sense of conflict crisis in society. This is A.M. Biggs. An ad on YouTube struck a chord with me recently, completely unrelated to what I was watching. This popped up. Yemen, the world's worst humanitarian crisis. For five years, the people of Yemen have been living in consistent conflict. Their access to food, water, and safety limited. Over 20 million people are at risk for famine. Over scenes of broken families, dilapidated homes, and kids with exposed ribs, a soft voice pleaded. With no end in sight, the numbers will continue to grow. Send life-saving aid now. Most people might have been drawn to the bleakness of the environment, but I was more focused on something else. The people. Almost every person in the video I watched had dark skin. I think the reason the video resonated with me so deeply is because it reminded me a lot of the African donation campaigns that used to consume TV ad space before 2010. Just like this video, the slow dramatic music and brutal scenes are meant to get your attention. But was the similarity of the situations that these two very different people face just a coincidence, or was there more to this? That question led me into an exploration of what it means to be black around the world. The relationship between color and class and the origins of the similarities that stood out to me across cultures. The new book, Afro Diffusion, is the result of that search. I was introduced to so many communities that were fully assimilated into their local cultures, but still had connections to their African heritage. I never knew they were Afro-Iranians, Afro-Colombians, or Afro-Indians, so I documented it. Today on the podcast, we're going to do something a little different. My friend Veronica and I have had multiple conversations around race and identity, so I wanted to bring her on as someone who might understand the complexities better than I do. She's a Belizean who's mixed with Indian and Dutch, but was born in Europe before coming to the States. Veronica, how are you? I'm doing good, Alan. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm glad I could get you on here because uh, I think you have a really unique perspective and uh, I'm excited for our conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this opportunity. I know we always have good conversations. Always, always. So just to start, do you mind by um, giving us a little bit about your background? Where are your parents from, your grandparents? Absolutely. I will go into a little bit of history then, um, just about myself and how I grew up. So first, I was born abroad. I was born in Paris, France. I have a older sister who is, of course, who's a year and a half older than me. So we both were born there and spent a couple of years there growing up um, together, which was really fun. And then after that, I moved to Detroit, Michigan for a little bit. My dad's in the automotive industry, so that naturally took us there. Okay. After that, we picked up and we actually moved to Belize, which I'll get into more after I explain my background. Then we moved back up to Michigan in the Grand Rapids area, again, for the automotive industry. And then we finally landed in Texas. But as far as my background with both my parents, my dad was born and raised in West Michigan in a very 
Dutch Protestant area. My dad is actually a hundred percent Dutch. So mm. everyone from his family who was Dutch married Dutch and then had <laughs> Dutch children. So that's how that kind of continued. It's a very homogenous area, um, which was a little bit difficult to grow up in. But in regards to my mom, my mom is actually born and raised in the Caribbean, specifically in Belize, but her ethnic background ties into the individual groups that Belize has her stemming from the Indian portion. My grandmother, her grandmother came from India in the most Southern state in India, Tamil Nadu. So very, very dark skinned that, that side of India that is less common to see in the media. So that's a little bit about my family and how I grew up. I grew up in a, a multicultural household. So I got to experience what it was like from my dad living in that Dutch Protestant world, as opposed to the very go with the flow you know, typical Caribbean. No, that totally makes sense. So for people who haven't, who don't know you or haven't seen you, um, first time I met you, I thought you were, I thought you were black because, (laughs) you know, in the U.S., whenever I see somebody like you, you know, like I immediately assume they were black. And then you ended up telling me about your background, everything you ended up, that you ended up being that you were from Belize. And I had never even met anybody from Belize. So I didn't even know (laughs) there was dark skinned people there. Um, Whenever I think of like Central America, South America, like like most people who watch, um, you know, most of these like mainstream movies, TV shows, whatever. I just thought it was, you know, people who look like Shakira. But um, <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, what was that like going from Paris to Michigan to Texas and then still traveling back and forth um, in Belize in terms of like how you felt you fit to, you fit in with your environment? Absolutely. Um, before I move on to that, I do definitely want to touch on. Um, the way I look for a little bit, I think that's interesting that you bring that up and I would love yeah. to elaborate more. So um, for for everyone who hasn't met me, I am mixed as I described my dad is, my dad's white and my mom is very dark skinned um, Indian background. But again, it's not the, it's not the Indian that you see in the media. It's not the Bollywood, like she is very dark skinned. So whenever you know, anyone in the U.S. all over the world, whenever they see someone who's mixed, they automatically assume the most common mix, which is black and white. Yeah. Uh, mixed people actually make up 5% of the population today, which is insane to think, but that's what everyone, you know, most commonly thinks of. And so either I get that or people don't even guess because I don't have those features. I do not look like I'm mixed with black and white. I look, I have a different look to me. I will say that I get, I get asked all the time if my hair is real. which is which is very interesting because i don't know if i just don't think that they've seen a mixed person like me i'm right in the middle very very um light skinned but i wouldn't say i'm on the um more white side of the mixed spectrum i say i'm very much in the middle definitely but i have eurocentric features i have a sharp nose um high cheekbones i i look like my dad in that regard but i have that darker complexion of my mom with the long flowing slightly curly hair so it's always interesting whenever people ask me where i'm from and i get to give that context because it is a very different look and i think that's one thing um that i could say that people are drawn to me by is just the way i look initially moving into how i grew up and transitioning from everything it definitely was interesting it was an opportunity to learn and grow but of course it was challenging at times i love starting out my um, you know, so my story in Europe, I loved having that experience with my family. I think that was a really 
awesome thing that we all got to do together that my parents got to experience the love of Paris as soon as they were <laughs> they were married, which I think was awesome for them. And then having my sister and I, my mom, I mean, Paris 20 years ago was not as diverse as it is today. Hmm. It's not. So my mom, she doesn't talk about it a ton, but there was some struggles getting integrated. But my mom actually found a international group of moms that she hung out with a lot. So that's awesome. It, yeah. So a lot of my friends, I guess you could say are all over the world now from that play group, which is really cool to see because not everyone has stayed in Paris just like us. Hmm. It was also like expats and stuff like that. How many so, years were you there in Paris? Uh, my parents were there for five years. I was there for three because that was, you know, I was born on the, on the, the later half of that. <laughs> later, my sister, yeah, yeah. yeah. My sister <laughs> was there a little bit longer than I was, but the reason I speak about it with such familiarity is because I have gone back quite a few times. Um, for those who are listening that don't quite know my background, again, I, I'm very familiar with it because I go back to Paris quite frequently and I've had the opportunity to live there again over one summer. So I, I'm familiar with that and I really enjoyed continuing that, you know, learning, learning process about the culture and everything that I experienced when I was younger and until now and all the changes with that. But transitioning from Paris to Detroit, Michigan, that was a uh, different time. I was only there for, I was there for like a very short time. That was only about a year of my life that we lived in Detroit, Michigan. I was still really young. I went to school. I had friends, but again, I was still um, the only person of color in my class, which Mm. was, which was, um, I could say something that, something that I would experience for many more years going forward. Moving from there into Belize, because this is really when I became, you know, I was older, I was a little more active, I have more memories from that. This is actually where I started my schooling. In Belize, you start school very early at the age of four. So I started going to school there and we lived there for two years. These are really formative years of my life. And the way, the, the reason why I remember them so much is because they were very impactful to me and my future. The reason we were in Belize is because, not because my dad's company had a plant there, I can tell you that wasn't the case. <laughs> One of the most selfless things I have ever experienced from anyone in my life or that I've heard of from anyone ever is something that my dad did. And when I tell the story, a lot of people think the same thing. My dad thought about how important it was for his daughters, his girls to understand his wife's culture, um, their mother's culture, learn the language, get to know their family and really be integrated fully into their other half. Because just because I was born abroad and in, I am half American doesn't mean that I lose that, that side of me. And he really made that a priority. So this man who grew up in West Michigan for 30 something years, quit his job completely and moved us all to Belize, um, built a house for my mom and took care of his daughters. He picked me up from school every single day and we went swimming in the sea. That's how I learned how to swim. And that was a different experience because in Belize, I never felt like an oddball. I never felt left out. Like I mentioned earlier, Belize has a, huge melt it's a huge melting pot so huge. everyone there looks yeah everyone there looks very different there's a huge range of shades like alan mentioned he thought that people in central america you know look like shakira but <laughs> there's actually I have a lot of friends that look like i actually have a lot of friends that look like shakira believe it or not but i would say that there is a multitude of shades there's people ranging from as light skin as shakira is to medium like me and then very dark like my mother. So what made Belize different is that I never felt 
odd. I never felt like anyone was looking at me because I had people of similar complexions. And yes, we all came from different groups for, um, per se, like the Hispanic group or like the Indian group, but we all had similarities in culture, whether that be um, soca music uh, or, you know, uh, the traditional rice and beans. We all had something similar that we could share and be a part of. And I was never outcasted for my skin color. Moving from Belize to Michigan was a different, was a different story. I actually had my first experience with um, racism at a very young age. It was as soon as I moved to Michigan, which was unfortunate that even in the 2000s that I had to experience something like that at at such a young age. But in Michigan, it, I went to a predominantly white, white school and by predominantly white, I mean, all white. (laughs) Yeah. My sister and I were the token people of color that they took pictures of and made sure that they put on the billboards. So it was one of those things. And I felt completely like an outcast and it's in that saying something when you're a kid, because when you're a kid, you're carefree and you don't notice that stuff. So it had to be obvious in order for me to notice it at such a young age. I was in the first grade. Wow. So that was, yeah, it was kind of a early experience. And my sister and I both went through that. My sister had a slightly different experience than me. My sister was actually heavily bullied um, in Michigan, which was unfortunate. I think I was a little bit young to have that experience, but my sister was Towards the end of our time there, she was in middle school. So it was definitely that prime age. Prime bullying age. Prime bullying age. So I found a group that, a group of girls. It was just, it was like three of us. We were so weird. We were like horse girls, you know, <laughs> we were in the Midwest. But I, but I didn't feel left out there as opposed to my entire school where I felt like I just was different and everyone could tell. Yeah. And then moving to Texas, it was also a similar experience, but I will say one thing between the Midwest and Texas is that people are more open about their discrimination here, Mm. which is, I'm not saying that people in the North aren't discriminatory, but I'm saying they do a better job of hiding it. Here, I also went to a school that was predominantly white where I was quite literally like taking pictures of so that they could show that they had diversity there, which just wasn't the case. And I didn't like it. I did not like my experience in high school here. I felt like I was having to openly listen to discriminatory comments and have and not have the power to do something. Because when I did, I received backlash, mm. which was really interesting and totally different, totally different topic getting into the basis of religion. But I did go to a religious school. And so it's really interesting that at, I was in that arena of religion and being a quote-unquote good person and no one did anything about it yeah it gets gets complicated yeah but on that point earlier where you said that um one of the most selfless things your dad has done is uh basically try to um show his kids more of his um wife's culture i want to hear a little bit more about that because uh whenever i was making the book afro diffusion the one thing that um was like one of the criteria that I that I put in place to make sure that I was representing these groups well is that they still had a connection to their African ancestry and they were either seeking that or they were finding ways to practice that, right? Whether that's through music, through religion, through language, whatever. So I'm curious, um, how did you uh, how did you learn about your, your most culture? And I'm guessing, is that Caribbean? Is that Indian? Is it a mix? Yeah, absolutely. So 
within Belize, we do have all these different groups that still identify um, heavily or not so heavily with their background and influence. Belize is really, it really is a melting pot. We all identify as Belizean. We don't have groups like the U.S. My mom actually always points that out whenever we talk about Belize is that she points out that, yes, we have those seven categories of the predominant um, people in Belize, but it's not like the U.S. where you are African-American. We don't have a title for that. You are Belizean, Mm. which I think is, it really says something. I think that's really interesting. Um, You know, you can't really look at a Belizean and then just just kind of solidify if they're Belizean. My experience there, learning about the culture, well, we picked up and moved there. We built a house there and I started going to school there. Mm-hmm. I would say I really got integrated into the culture by the music, the language, and the food. I would say those are the three categories. We listen to all kinds of music, but we do listen to reggae and something that is um, just kind of something else that we listen to in Belize besides reggae that I think a lot of people actually don't know about is soca music. It's what I mentioned soca, earlier. Yeah, that's a huge Caribbean thing. Yeah. Yeah, huge Caribbean thing, but people always focus on the reggae, but um, soca music, soul calypso is also something that I learned about. It's So we have certain dances, Alan, actually, <laughs> um, which is, again, which I guess is a subcategory of the music um, that I was able to learn about my mother's culture. So at my school, yes, again, it was a, it was a religious school because Belize is predominantly Catholic. Okay. But I, didn't, I was allowed to do these like provocative dances at a young age because... Because it's not seen as provocative, yeah. Um, which again is really interesting versus the U.S., where you got to like stand two feet apart. It's not it's not sexualized in Belize, which is again is very interesting. But I learned these dances to the to the soca music, to reggae, um, just things that bonded bonded us, me and my classmates. And dancing is a huge, huge, huge part of our culture. It's every party, every get together, like everyone's dancing, and it's just something that you do together that really bonds you in in this music. So. Learned about the culture through the music. Were um, you able to I keep some... uh, in touch with those, uh, with like those parts of your culture in the U.S., or did you feel like you had to basically change who you were and how you acted based on where you were? Oh, that's a that's a great question. I would say if I was to pick one thing that I did not leave behind, and I still do to this day, it's the music, one hundred percent. Yeah, every time I go home. So my mom, my mom is a professional chef. She is always cooking I'm still mad and I my mom plate by the way <laughs> you'll definitely have to try something next time like she comes up and cooks a little something something for us um but she's a crazy good cook and she always demands that music is playing when she cooks this is how she enjoys herself so i i am constantly hearing that reggae music i'm constantly hearing that soca and i love it like i wake up to that music and i'm excited i go downstairs i sing all the words with her my my mom thinks it's so funny because i wasn't born in belize mm. she always she always thinks i'm she always thinks it's so funny how Belizean I am, which I really love and appreciate that she hasn't put me into that um, Americanized box. But she she always says she thinks it's so funny that I know all the words to um, the song. <laughs> then we have this song called Ganja Farmer, and it's so funny. And I know all the words, and I always sing it with her. But that's one of the ways I've really been able to stay in touch with that culture. My sister will come in from Austin on the weekends and will plug in um, soca music to the large speaker and we'll all dance together. Like I still do that. And that's actually one part of my culture that I've been able to share with my friends the most. I have friends who like to dance. I'm not saying they're the best dancers, but <laughs> we'll put on that music 
and they love learning and they like listening to it, which I think is amazing. It's something that I've really kept in touch with. Yeah, that's dope. I love soca music. <laughs> I'll send you my playlist. Oh, yeah. But um, because of how you look, right? So even with somebody like me, who I feel like I've been around a lot of cultures, so I'm not quick to judge. Even with you, I was like, oh, she's black. Like, I didn't even think twice about it, right? <laughs> so um, I feel like you're perceived as black often. So I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. what does it mean to you to be black? What I think of when I think of black in America, I think of people who have been stripped of their identity and forced to find a new one. Mm. And then constantly being discriminated against and harassed for that. The, the word black, right? It's, there's no black race. There's no black ethnicity. Like, it's just, a, totally. it's just a descriptor, right? So it means different things in a lot of different parts of the world. So I'm interested because mm-hmm. you have this Indian Caribbean heritage. Um, does, is that a factor at all in terms of like that being a dark-skinned Indian who's also Caribbean? Does that play any factors at all, whether it's back home or over here in the U.S. or wherever you travel? Because, you know, some... Oh. Like, even in India specifically, right, some of the more fair-skinned mm-hmm. people um, perceive the darker-skinned people a certain way, kind of the same way whites and blacks do that, do the same thing in the U.S. So I'm curious to hear your, your perspective on that. Absolutely. I will break it down a little bit um, from the previous conversation that we've had, Alan. So black, whenever I hear black, I think... I think there's two ways that this can go. This is either the descriptor to mean what it literally means is that you're describing a skin color, like you're describing white or people attach that to the connotation of having origins to Africa, which is just not true because, you know, in the U S we went through those, that, that phase of calling everyone black and then switching to African-American because it was um, offensive. And now we're back to black because (laughs) which, which the reason is because not every dark skinned person is from Africa. First of all, most people in the U S um, most dark, dark skinned people in the U S specifically black don't know if they come from Africa. Mm. So how can you, how can you just assume that? So I think it's, it's that tricky balance of, well, I have to know where, what area, what perspective is that other person coming from? Because I see it as this, my mom is very dark skin. So therefore she fits into that category of being black. However, I do not actually describe my mother as black. I don't do that because everyone who I have this conversation with automatically attaches that with African and mm-hmm. all cultures are beautiful. Absolutely. But I can't identify with the culture. That's not my own. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I describe my mom as Indian because she is, she's very dark skin, like the connotative version of a black person, but it's not true. So you kind of have to dis- dissect that word and figure out, who's using it and why are they using it? Because it's not the same depending on person to person. I'm not ashamed to tell, to say my mom is black. However, am I going to, am I going to have her identify with a culture that's not her own and therefore have me identify with a culture that's not my own? Absolutely not. I'll use black as a descriptor for my mom, but in context where people fully understand it because it's, it's hard to, it's hard to navigate around ignorance. Man, that's such a good point. Such a good point. You know, that makes me think of, um, so whenever I was doing the research for, for the project, I um I ran across I didn't run across but I rediscovered basically like how deep colorism runs around the world, and this started through mm-hmm. just seeing um, a bunch of like lightning creams and stuff that were uh, being sold. And I thought I used to think they were only sold like in Africa because I had seen some here, but most of the time I saw mm-hmm. lightning creams they were imported from Africa. 
And then I started watching all these things and reading all these things that, um, you know, like opened up the, uh, the, like the complexity of colorism in places like Thailand, Indonesia, um, Brazil, literally all over the world. And so now I want to ask you, because your mom's dark skinned, you're more fair skinned. Um, I think, I think I remember you saying something about, you feel like you have light skin privilege, um, in relation to your mom. Can you expand on that? Uh, absolutely. I 100% have light skin privilege, um, compared to my mom and my dad has even more privilege than all of us (laughs) combined. So it is something that's interesting to look back at and think about why. So, um, colorism stems from, or what it is, it's the lights, it's the lightest of the breed thinking that they're better than the darkest of the breed. So I, in, in regards to me and my mom, the two of us, I'm the lightest of the breed. So therefore I, I, I'm, I think people see it as who's the closest to white. I think that's a, that's a way to look at it is all the, all the different shades of privilege. It's who's the closest to white, who has the most privilege. Mm -hmm. So I benefit from light skin privilege all the time. Um, how are you, how are you treated differently because of that? Oh, I'm, I'm treated like a princess. I'm treated a lot nicer. Mm. 100%. I think, um, because of, because of my fair skin and my Eurocentric features, Mm. I experience a lot more privilege. I think I experience more privilege than my sister. Um, not saying that one is better than the other. Like I'm never going to, I think my sister's gorgeous. I don't think one of us is prettier than the other one, but I have the features that people that um, society has really expressed the love for. I have those high cheekbones, the sharp nose, the structured jawline. And that's what people want to see and combine that with the fact that I have this medium skin tone that's exotic yet not threatening. (laughs) This is a exotic. If you ever, (laughs) that's fine. If you ever want to, talk about this another time alan i would be happy to talk about it more but it's very interesting i still want to dissect it more myself my dad calls it this complex i'm referred to as the safe exotic Mm. i have the color the hair of someone who is slightly foreign and slightly exotic Mm. but i have those features that everyone desires so that makes me the perfect option for people to quote unquote explore but not feel threatened which I don't know how I feel about that. When I think about that, it, I, I kind of makes me hate things. It really does. I hear that. And I'm like, and my dad's, he's just explaining things. He's not like, Oh, that's good. That's bad. He's just saying, he just stated it as a fact. And I was like, Oh, you're right. You're right. I've never thought about that. That's a, that's a, that's a great point. That's a great yeah, point. I had that conversation with them, a couple other friends and they've been like, Oh my goodness. That's very interesting. So I definitely want to explore that more within myself. Nice. Something that um, it sounds like you've thought about a lot. Um, tell me more about whenever you said that. Basically, you were with a friend. I forgot where it was, and he asked you, um, you know, like which side do you identify with more? Your mom, or your, your mom's, or your dad's? And I think you said, "Why do I have to choose?" I really like that answer. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about um, your thinking behind that. Thank you. Um, I will start with some background to that then Alan I'll talk about mixed culture and what it means to be mixed for sure so Alan and I have had Alan and I have had all of these conversations you know talking about race relations but 
something that I brought up before and I brought up with a couple other people that really makes people take a, take a step back and look at things a little different, which I love to see. Obviously, as we mentioned, the darkest people suffer the most in the world. The darker you are, the less privilege you have Facts. and the worst experience, the worst experiences you have in this world, Facts. the more you're discriminated against, the less you're seen as beautiful. It's, it's a combination of horrible things. So I never want to compare that with my struggle of being mixed and be like, well, I have it harder. I don't, I don't, I live a very privileged life. And I know that one, um, most of that because of my father, you know, it's because of the way I look, I get that. However, I want to highlight that it's a different struggle. It's being mixed comes with its own set of struggles. They're not worse than being a very, than being someone very dark skin. Absolutely not, mm. but they're different being mixed. It's this, overarching cloud that just hangs over you that says pick one choose mm. which one do you identify with and i've expressed my distaste for this several times it's just how i grew up like i mentioned moving all over the world i had to i had these different experiences and i had to shift my perspective and who i am to adapt to each of these environments in michigan and texas and belize and in paris but the really core of being mixed is having an identity crisis at some point <laughs> thinking, where do I identify with? Where should I live? What makes more sense to me? What do I prefer? And I actually expressed this to my friend one time. We had a very long conversation. I just told myself, oh, like the struggle, like being mixed is difficult. And he said to me, he was like, oh my goodness. Like, not that I get that, but he was like, but I get that. Like, you know, he was like, I, I'm sure that's difficult. Well, I brought him to this party because I didn't want to go by myself. Um, I didn't know these people. And I was like, ew. So I was like, let me just bring him. Like, I'll show up. It was someone's birthday. So I was like, let me show up and then I'll give him a gift and then leave. We're on this way to this party. He said something stupid. I almost turned around and just popped him. I was like, what's wrong with you? Because we had this conversation. He asked me, he goes, so if you had to pick, which side would you choose? And I turned around and I don't get angry. I'm a very, you know, a very kind person. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love to be sweet. That's one of my favorite things in life. Um, and I actually got mad. I turned around at him and I cried and I, I got my, I raised my voice. I got stern and I said, I shouldn't have to choose. And I turned around and I marched into that party and I was like, yeah, no, I'm not talking to you. So I, I went in there, just talked to my friend, wish them happy birthday. But on our way back, he was so apologetic. He was like, that's exactly what you've been talking about, that people always make you choose. I'm so sorry. You know, it feels like you're being forced into this box, Alan. Am I more, am, am I an Americanized Belizean or am I a Belizeanized American? Which one? Mm. And it's, it's a struggle. And something specific to my life is what is, what is the basis? What's the objective basis, the facts for choosing what side I am? Um, because is it is it where I was born? Because I wasn't born in Belize or the U.S. Mm. Is it where I've lived the longest? Because that's the U.S. Is it where I have citizenship to? Because I have citizenship to the U.S. and Belize. So it's it's completely subjective. But that is a struggle of being mixed is an identity crisis within yourself and within your own culture and within other people making you choose. And it's something that neither side can help you with. Because I explain this to my dad's side, they don't get it. I explain this to my mom's side, they don't get mm. it. So it's something that you're honestly completely alone in. If you're the only person that 
I can really talk about this with is my sister because she gets it mm-hmm. exactly. She's the only other person because we're a unique mixture. I'm not your typical mixture um, and my your typical life background. So she's the only person that's lived through the same things that I have. And she gets it. Something that I was just thinking about is, um, <clears throat> so I was focused on African heritage spreading out around the world, right? But that's happened with mm-hmm. a ton of other um, cultures and, and ethnic communities. And so I'm thinking about with you, how sometime long ago, right, your Indian ancestors made their way to the Caribbean and then eventually assimilated and then eventually became the Indian community within the Caribbeans. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever been back to India and are you interested in going back at all ever? I haven't been back to India and I can actually trace my heritage um, pretty quickly back <laughs> really? to back to India. Yeah. So <laughs> the reason I'm very aware of my background and my on both sides, my mother's background and my father's background is because on both sides, immigration has happened um, recently, you know, mm. with with where I can see where everything's um, been traced. So my mom's side coming from India to Belize was actually my grandmother's grandmother. So not that far off. Not that long ago. It's not that long ago. So, um, but again, my grandmother or my grandmother's grandmother was very young when everything happened. Um, when she came to Belize and just moved to a village with other, with other people from Tamil Nadu and lived her life, got married, had children that typical, you know, married off young and, everything like that, which is also something that my grandmother went through as well. So it's not that far off. It really is not from both sides. And my dad's, my dad's side was mm, my grandmother's, oh, I want to say my grandmother's grandmother's mother. So not that far off too. So pretty, pretty close enough to where I can trace it and I can know. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't know my dad is fully Dutch. They're so Dutch. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, yeah, but for my dad's side, I guess, coming, coming to Michigan and within that culture, everyone in the part of Michigan that my dad is from are 100% Dutch. It's not just us. Like it's everyone there. So everyone kind of shares that Dutch culture and that Dutch background, but no one, no one speaks Dutch, but they all have that in common with certain foods, with just the way that everyone acts. And it's the same way in Belize. It's those different groups like assimilate together and they, they hang out as a thing. That's that, that would say that's different from Michigan to Belize is that yes, my family came from India, but everyone else's family that came from different parts of the world integrated together. They have dishes that are a mixture of the mestizos and the Garifuna. It's, it's, it's a lot more integrated in Belize, I would say. So um, I've never been to India, but I'll, quite a few of my family members have actually um, like my aunts and stuff. Um, that's who have, who have recently gone back. And I don't know if I necessarily have a huge interest to go back because I identify more with Caribbean culture as opposed to Indian culture. No, that's very fair. And honestly, that's uh, if there's anything that I wanted people to get out of the book, it would be that, you know, it's important to know your roots because for instance, right now, like in the U.S., I feel like uh, it's very politically um, tense 
and divisive, right? Mm-hmm. And there's all this rhetoric. And it's, it's really funny to me, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And people are always like, you know, immigrants this, immigrants that, get them out of here, protect <laughs> our land. When everybody, most people around the world who live anywhere are immigrants to that place, right? Nobody has been there the entire time. Most people Absolutely. haven't been there the entire time, especially in the U.S., which is, you know, barely a few hundred years old. So uh, exactly. know your roots and maybe you'll have... Um, a more a more sober perspective on on a lot of these issues but um veronica just wanted to say thanks for making time it's great as always talking to you i appreciate your, your perspective and uh i can't wait until the next one thank you so much for having me i loved sharing little little pieces of my life and i hope that someday someone who has um any interest will explore will explore some of the things we talked about a little bit more or even if someone who Anyone who's listening who might be mixed can, I hope I help with their identity crisis and just having someone to connect with. Yeah, no, I think you'll definitely be getting some questions. I'll send them your way. (laughs) Thank you. All right, Veronica. Take care. Bye. Bye. To dive deeper into this and previous episodes, go to acrosstheglobe.co for the full text with graphics and sources. If you like this piece, share it with a friend and let me know your thoughts. I'd love to hear your response. Thank you for listening, and until next time, take care.